Okay, let's jump right into it. Carrie's mad at me. This is kind of a definitive boy band song. We're playing boy band music all day. Pat Lopez, John Rash with the Star Tribune of Playing Politics are here. Great to have you both on board. Let's start with this one. I'll read right from your paper. Mayor Jacob Fry failed to implement the city's emergency protocols when responding to protests and riots that erupted across Minneapolis after George Floyd's murder, according to a long-anticipated report released Tuesday. The report paints a damning picture of the 10 days in May of 2020 that continued to traumatize many residents and employees nearly two years later. Some first responders receiving little guidance from supervisors traveled blindly into dangerous situations. Police made inconsistent decisions about when to use controversial munitions on crowds. Neighbors and business owners frustrated by lack of communication from city leaders banded together to protect their homes and businesses. John, you first, and then Pat, you jump in right afterwards. What should be most concerning to Mayor Fry in this report? That they had a plan in place, and this was a mayor already deep into his first tenure, and very little of it was implemented, and there doesn't necessarily seem to be the appropriate amount of contrition, let alone constructive learning that should come out of a situation like this. And finally, that they didn't anticipate that something this significant could happen, despite the what was clear to most Minneapolitans, let alone people across the world, that they had just witnessed a murder on the video regarding Derek Chauvin and George Floyd. And so it's a failure all around. And let's hope that he and others across the state and elsewhere learn from it and can plan for it and can curb the worst excesses that took place in Minneapolis in those very, very uh, dismal days. Pat, same to you and and how Jacob Fry has responded to this. Well, I think um, Fry is obligated to give people some detailed answers about the missing ingredient, which is the why. Why were those plans not followed? Why was there no uh, communication and better direction from leadership? We can't really um, expect that from Arredondo. He's left already. Um, uh, but I do think we um, we should demand it from um, from Fry. If his, uh, if his attempt, you know, going forward to have transparency is going to mean anything, I, I think he needs to give a full accounting of himself and his actions during that period. I agree with you 100%. I think he needs to have a press conference mm-hmm. and answer questions, and I'm sure they'll be pointed and direct, and they will cite this report, Pat. I think you're 100% yeah, yeah. correct. Do it and get it over with. Yeah. And and John? And then go forward with the recommendation. Yeah. John, it's, it's one thing to say, okay, here was the plan, and, and in a statement, and also to say we've learned and we'll go on. But you're the mayor of Minneapolis. This story is still shaping what is happening in our city and had an effect on the rest of the country. And when you have a report that's this voluminous and this specific, John, the mayor just reelected. Uh, he rightfully so should should answer questions. And if he wants to be direct in them, if he wants to upset some folks or if he wants to offer some genuine contrition, all that is available to him. But but just a statement's not enough. Well, indeed, you talk about the damage, and I I, – go ahead, Pat. I was just going to say one of the things I found notable is that um, 
the, the people who wrote the report pointed out that this city has faced unpredictable events before and, and had a, and accounted itself well um, in that. You know, it, the um, collapse of the, the bridge, um, the Republican convention that wound up having riots, which, you know, were not really um, anticipated. And they, ma- they managed their way through all that. You know, clearly um, something failed to happen this time that happened in the other time. There was training before. There was equipment before. Um, I, I really think we need to uh, find out a little bit more about what, what exactly fell down and where. Um, they had an, uh, an emergency plan, um, protocols for calling out the National Guard um, that were ignored. I just I really want to know more about what happened. John, I would say this because I want you to expand on what you were saying. I also think Governor Walls needs to answer questions on this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I mean, yeah. he cannot slide in this one also. Uh, both men were right in the middle of responsibility that week. And this is a lot about Fry, and when you're in that position, you have to own it. So does the governor, whether it's an election year or not. He he needs to answer plenty of questions himself about what his administration did and didn't do. There's a dynamic difference between the races that the two men ran or will run after this event. Jacob Fry ran as more of the moderate middle and did not have to answer as many questions with this because his two key opponents came from the left and mainly ran pushing the other key issue at the time, which was the public safety amendment that would have replaced the police department. And yet Governor Walls is going to run in the gubernatorial race against a Republican who is clearly, no matter who it ends up being, he or she will focus on the failures of this report of this tragic time in the city of Minneapolis and the broader issue of the spiraling crime, not just in the center cities, but in the suburbs and beyond. And so I think that while um, Governor Walls should answer questions, just as Mayor Fry should right now about this, he's certainly going to be answering them on the campaign trail. All right, let me, let me jump in because I want us to get to at least one more topic when we come back. Let's put Pat and John on hold. They are both with us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Back to talk about Ilhan Omar and Don Samuels and how competitive this race might be, or maybe it's not. We'll talk about that when we return. We continue with playing politics on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Pat Lopez and John Rashier. All right, Pat, I'll go to you first on this one. Don Samuels, former city council member who's very involved in Minneapolis politics right now, announced yesterday he is going to challenge Representative Ilhan Omar in this upcoming election. How would you evaluate the chances Don Samuels has to defeat the incumbent? Nobody should ever underestimate how difficult it is to defeat an incumbent. Um, you know, Ilhan Omar has built her own following, um, uh, you know, has money in the bank. Um, Don Samuels is, you know, not as well known, certainly outside of Minneapolis. Um, nevertheless, I think if he presents um, a reasonable alternative, and it's no secret that Star Tribune has never endorsed um, uh, Omar for office. Um, there have been um, things that have always held us back from that, um, including a, a really combative 
style on her part and a you know a penchant for controversy and getting into getting herself into you know unforced errors um so i think if um, Samuels is able to exploit all that. You know, he has a reasonable chance, but the the primary is going to is going to be very difficult. And um, I don't think uh, Omar is going to. She's going to work hard to make sure that she um, secures the endorsement. So it, it's going to be an uphill battle for him, no question. John, she ran against moderate last time, and she crushed him. Right. Rep. And then you have Don Samuels quote when he's trying to get. Ilhan to to join in here. Represent Omar has demonstrated she's out of touch with residents of Minneapolis in the last election. And I've shown this Samuels, who's 72, that I was very much in touch with the sediments of the citizenry. He is alluding to the fact that he and his wife, Sonder, were very outspoken on a number of police issues, including getting more police and campaigning strongly to not eliminate the police, whereas Congresswoman Omar wanted the complete change. So when you look at this, is she any more vulnerable this time than she was two years ago? Because as Pat says, said, excuse me, right now, if you're an incumbent in a race in this country, the chances are very, very high. You're going to win re-election. Yes, he has a better chance. The odds still favor her because of the dynamics described by Patricia. But I would say that you know, she did do very, very well against a very strong candidate in Anton Melton Nukes um, the last time she ran in the primary. And primaries have a lower turnout than the general election, of course, and it means that you have more party faithful who faithfully go to the polls. And in general, they're going to go with the endorsed candidate and the incumbent from that perspective. But that being said, the fact that he's better known than her opponent two years ago that he's better known for being on what was the winning side of the referendum in Minneapolis regarding public safety and the fact that he does have an electoral record and a strong electoral base you know, that he can depend on means that I think he will provide a much tougher challenge than transpired two years ago. Whether he wins or not, a whole lot can and will happen before the primary ha- occurs but I think he's uh, clearly a formidable candidate. So we got about two minutes left. Each one of you a minute. Pat, you first. Give me the one image about Ukraine, about this vicious, vicious attack from this tyrant. Give me the one image that is staying with you most right now. The shelling of the maternity hospital, no question. I, I just the, the images of pregnant women being helped um, out of that uh, bombed-out building are just, are just so horrific and disturbing. Um, there, there clearly are no depths to which um, Putin will not sink in his attempts to um, take over this country. John, I concur with Patricia on the power of those images. I also, it also comes to mind um, the family of four, a mother and children who were killed by an indiscriminate shell uh, shot by the Russian forces, showing directly that citizenry were were hit. It was on the front cover of the New York Times by their extraordinary photographer, yes. Lindsay Ardario. And, you know, there certainly are some who would argue that something like that is too stark and too graphic to run. I think it's too stark and too graphic not to run. Agreed, it shows the real stakes and the real barbarity of President Putin. 
I agree 100%. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that Pat. We can note that Congress has passed a $15 million um, aid package for Ukraine. Yep. So that I'm, I applaud that. Great stuff as always. Thank you so much, guys. We'll uh, talk next week.